me as we declare that there is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in this house. There is love in this spirit. His mercy endures forever. Would you sing with me? We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Shout out your praise Because of your joy, Lord We 
are calling on your name. We are standing on your faithfulness. Your promise to be with us, to not leave us or forsake us. We pray, God, that you would surround us as we find our Bibles, that we would not walk this road alone. There's a table you prepared for me. Again. 
you guys take a seat. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. You know, I've recently learned the words going back to the basics. You guys might be familiar with that. Especially when you get an eight-week-old puppy in your life. You learn to go back to the basics. You see, we have a 16-year-old pug who's our senior citizen. And then we have an eight-week-old puppy that has ADD times a thousand. But we've had to go back and actually train her how to do everything. The basics, right? Train her how to go to the bathroom. Train her where to go to the bathroom. Train her not to jump up. Not to bite. You know, basic things that we, well, I would hope that none of us do. And it's interesting with going back to the basics because it reminds me of when we first started having kids and when Jazz was just a baby of doing these same things, training him back to the basics. But I think for us as believers, I think once we continue to mature in our faith and grow and no longer get the milk, but get the meat. Sometimes it's essential for us to go back to the basics. Psalm 139 says, search my heart, O God, know my heart. Let me know if there's anything grievous among me. Matthew 5 and Luke 6 talk about praying for those who mistreat us. But sometimes as mature believers, it's easy to say, you know what, that's all right. I've forgiven them. Or we stuff it. And then we end up getting triggered by something else. Or life's too busy. Or we try to be the big mature believer and say, I've forgiven them. I've gotten past that. But do we truly go back to the basics? Getting on our knees and asking God, search my heart. Because I know for me that's been my prayer. Search my heart. Reveal to me if there's anything that is grievous in my heart. Let me tell you, it takes courage to do that because he will answer you. He will place somebody on your heart. So are we asking God, search my heart, Lord. Search my heart. Reveal to me anything in my life that I need to be able to change. Search me and align me. Align me, Lord, with your will. Align me with your desires. Align me with the love for you. Align me with a heart for the lost. But hey, things are going well. 
I don't really need, I mean, you got, I hear churches talk about, yeah, we'll pray for the hurting or pray for those that are struggling, but I don't deal with that. I got Jesus. I got the joy of the Lord. Praise God for that. But when's the last time that you went back to the basics and you said, Lord, don't just have it in my name, my brain and knowledge. But Lord, remind me of when I was first drawn to you, when you drew me to yourself and my heart was completely open and embracing. I was willing to do anything for you. And that's what my prayer is for each and every person, including myself. Lord, search me and take me back to that place. Make me on fire and continue to refine me to be more like you. So I just want to give you 30 seconds to be able to pray to the Lord just right here and now and ask Psalm 139. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Align my heart with yours. And if there's a person that comes up, Lord, please reveal that person to me. God, if there's a, a situation that wasn't dealt with correctly, reveal that to me. Or if there's an area in my life that I'm acting like, I got this, I'm tough, I'm a mature believer. Lord, would you truly reveal to me if there's an area that I need to work on in my life, if there's a person that I need to approach so that I'm aligned with you and your will. Or maybe there's an empty chair right next to you or behind you. Lord, align my heart with yours. I know you have a heart for the lost. I'm going to pray for the person to fill this seat that needs to know you, that you love. So we just take this time to pray to him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Father God, we come before you. And Lord, we acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And Lord, just because we're mature in our faith or we have grown up in the church, God, does not mean that we could not still go back to the basics. So Lord, my prayer is that you would search our hearts we would align our hearts with yours. God, you remind us how much you love us. 
Lord, the passion that we have for you. And God, that you would also provide action for that this morning. Of any situation, of any person, whatever you bring up into our lives, God, I pray that you would provide us the courage, the boldness, and the peace to be able to resolve that for the one reason that you get glory. We pray this in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord goes before you. He is with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed.
is who you are. Sing it out, church. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Let's sing this out, don't believe it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. CC. Amen. Awesome. So glad to be here today. Uh, some of you guys are pretty confused right now. Some of you guys were expecting a different large Hispanic man. Um, <laughs> somebody who is uh, more of the Colombian variety, maybe about a foot taller than me. Um, sorry to disappoint you guys. You guys are getting the least attractive version of Dave today. Um, so sorry about that. Um, so for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Jacob Salas. I'm the middle school pastor. Um, man, and I'm just so privileged to serve the students that, uh, uh, here at Camp CC. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most blessed man there is. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you how, uh, how amazing the group of students that we have is. And so, um, uh, my, so that's what I get to do here. I'm privileged to be able to 
work alongside your students, and so I'm so thankful for that. And so somebody decided to give me a mic, and uh, that was probably a terrible idea. And so, um, and so, but it's all right. We'll get through today. You guys got 30 minutes, okay? And so, um, right. So um, I want to know: Is there anybody here that's kind of like me and, and is, is hard-headed? Somebody who's stubborn, right? Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very my, my mom right now. She's probably watching from home, and she's like, "Amen," right? And so um, I'm a very stubborn person. Oftentimes I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll know that I'm doing something wrong. I'll know that like, I'm like, okay, this is not the right way to do it. This is not the most efficient way to do it, but it's the way that I'm doing it right now. And because I don't want to admit that I'm wrong, I'm just going to continue doing this thing, right? Do I have any people like that that, that are here? Okay, right? Oh, I think there's one or two fools just like me. Okay, that's totally fine. And so, um, but yeah, so um, I, I, I tend to be a very stubborn person. All right. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, prior to becoming a youth pastor, I actually used to work in the biotech industry. And, um, and, and so um, I, I worked in drug, sub, drug substance manufacturing. And for those of you guys who don't know what that means, it's just a fancy way of saying I used to make drugs for a living. Right? Uh, so you guys can go home and you guys can say, yo, my youth pastor at, at the church I go to used to make drugs. Right? That was like how he, how he made his living. And so, um, you know, and that'll, that'll make me sound cool because I'm totally not cool. Right? And so, so, um, and so I used to make drugs for a living, and, and one of the things that I would do is I would do this, um, I would perform this, these chemical processes, right? And one of these processes that I would perform is this process known as chromatography. And you guys can go ahead and, and take that information and let it, you know, throw that out the window because it doesn't really matter. But what matters is that when you were to perform this operation, you had to, um, you had to have a, a, a very specific amount of what the industry called resin, right? It was this, this, this compound that had these different chemical properties that allowed us to perform this operation. And so, uh, you had to, so you had to calculate how much you had to add. And I remember me and my confidence, I was like, I don't need to measure this. I don't need to calculate this. I've done this a million times. I'm just going to eyeball this, right? And so I go and I eyeball it. And you, you don't know if you get it right for, for a couple of hours because you have to wait and let, and let it settle. And so um, a couple hours passed by and I just totally undershot it. And I was like, oh man, I messed up. But you know what? I'm just going to add some more and I'm still not going to measure. And so I added some more and still didn't measure. And then I ended up overshooting it, and I was like, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just like, I'm obviously getting this wrong. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm obviously not doing this right. And so in my, and so in my pride, I was unwilling to concede on the right thing. The right thing would have been to make the measurements, to perform the calculations, and then to add the appropriate amount of resin. But me and my foolishness, I was like, no, I'm just going to eyeball this. And so I eventually did what was right. I eventually made the calculations and I eventually, um, you know, made the right measurements, right? But the, the sensible thing to do would, would to be, was to do that from the beginning. So we've been reading from the book of 1 Samuel. And much like, much like Jacob, who's unwilling to do the right thing, we see time and time again that the people of, uh, people of Israel find themselves in a position where they know what the right thing to do is. They know the right thing is to submit themselves to God, but yet they keep finding ways to get themselves in trouble. Whether that be taking the ark of God and using it as a lucky charm or, or, or not holding their leaders accountable to the, spiritual, uh, to, to the spiritual level that they need to be at. 
or whether it's um, or whether it's uh, offering an unauthorized sacrifice and and not and not performing the things as they're written in Scripture, the people of Israel constantly find themselves doing the wrong thing. And so, as we've been reading through First Samuel, I don't know about you guys, but I've been pretty frustrated. I've been reading through this book, and I'm like, man, I, I just don't understand why they keep on doing the wrong thing. All right, and so why do they keep on why do they keep on getting it wrong, right? And so um, today we're actually going to mix things up. We're actually going to see we're actually going to see a shift in the narrative here in the here in the book of First Samuel, and we're going to see that the people of Israel are actually going to get it right this time, right? And so they're actually they're actually going to be able um, to to do the right thing, and as they step into this into this world of serving God. Right, this world of trusting God, this world of putting my faith in Him, right, what comes with that is the testing and trying of their faith. Now they have to put their confidence in this God in the midst of a dark situation, in the midst of a, of a situation that doesn't seem to be going their way. And so today we're going we're gonna to be asking the question, why does God's timing never see to, seem to coincide with my own? Why does God's timing never seem to coincide with my own? The people of Israel in this moment in history are, 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 um, are finding themselves at an altar of repentance, putting their trust in God. And now they're waiting for the deliverance of God. And as they're waiting for the deliverance of God, they find themselves having to wait on the timing of God. But here's the thing. The timing of God is never what we want it to be. Right? And so as we look through the scriptures today, we're going to find that our, that, the, that our God isn't a God who's beholden to man, but that this God is a God who works on his own timing, a God who does things by his own sovereign will. And so as we read the scriptures today, we're going to find that God allows us to go through seasons of waiting in our lives so that we can turn our hearts to him. As a matter of fact, that's our first main point today, right? So why does it seem like God's timing never coincides with our own? Well, firstly, it's because he's waiting on us to trust in him. He's waiting on us to trust in him, right? God, God puts situations and things in our lives that are supposed to turn us towards him, that are supposed to turn our hearts towards him, and that we in our stubbornness, just like me who was unwilling to perform the calculations on that first step, right, when I should have done it, we're unwilling to submit ourselves to God, and so God is waiting for us to trust in him. So as we explore this idea, I want us to open up our Bibles. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 2 through 6. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 2 through 6. Um, if you guys have a, if you guys have a, a, Bible, a print Bible, you guys can go ahead and turn there. We have it here on the screen. Right? And so the word of God says this, starting at verse 2. It says, From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisk from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. And then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. 
So just to provide you guys a little bit of a recap, uh, for some of you guys who, like me, are very forgetful and need a refresher at times, right? We jump into this story at a time where the Ark of the Covenant has been returned to the people of Israel. Right? For the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the Ark of the Covenant was a representation of God's very presence. It was something that was held in such esteem that people often looked at it as if they were, it was their God. The Ark of the Covenant, to some people in Israel, they looked at that and they was like, wow, that's the image of God. And for a time, this Ark of the Covenant was lost to the Philistines, right? The Philist- they had went to battle with the Philistines, and it was lost to the Philistines. The Philistines end up grabbing the, grabbing the Ark of the Covenant. They end up like having my- problems with mice and tumors, and so they give it back. And so now the Ark of the Covenant is returned to Israel. And this should be a time of rejoicing. This should be a time of joy for the people of Israel. We have our Ark of the Covenant back. We have our symbol of the presence of God back with us. But this is not a time of rejoicing. Because even still, the God, even still God is not with the people of Israel. They have the Ark of the Covenant. But God's favor is still being withheld from Israel. We see that when the Ark of the Covenant's returned, right, that people look at it and that 70 people actually die. 70 people are actually smitten by God. And so we see that the favor, though the Ark of the Covenant is there, the favor of God is still not with the people of Israel. For the people of Israel, it would seem that God was no longer on their side. Not only is God failing to deliver them from the Philistines, but it would seem that God is actively working against them. God is actively, it would seem that God is actively subjugating the people of Israel. And for 20 years, the people of, the people of Israel experienced complete silence for, from God. It said that the, the ark was there for about 20 years. So that's a long time to be, to, to be enslaved by a people, to be subjugated by a people, right? And so the people of Israel are, 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 are being oppressed and subjugated by the Philistines, and they're waiting on their God to respond, and for 20 years, there's no response. They, they experience complete silence. I think some of us can relate to, to those seasons in our lives, that just like the Israelites, where we're going through times in our lives where we're waiting on the response from God, we're waiting on the deliverance from God, and we look around and we say, God, where are you? Like, God, I, I don't see you. I don't see you working. In, like, we, we, just, we just sang the song, Waymaker. God, I don't see you making any ways around here. God, I don't, see, I don't see what you're doing. I'm in trouble. Have you been hearing my prayer request? God, I thought that the scripture said that you are a very present help in time of need, but when I'm in need, where are you? God, you're supposed to be my, you're supposed to be my help, but I see no help coming my way. And church, this is, I want to give you this bit of encouragement, this bit of, of advice. Don't resent, don't resent the time of waiting on God. Don't resent the times of waiting that God has placed in your life. Don't fall into the temptation to believe that God's silence means that God is inactive or unconcerned in your life. Don't, don't, uh, don't fall into the pitfall of thinking that God's silence means that he's disinterested in you. Church, don't waste the time of waiting. 
Don't waste the season of struggle. Every moment in our lives is soaked with the purpose of God. In those 20 years, God was working in the hearts and minds of people, of the people of Israel. He was working in them in those 20 years of silence, even when it didn't seem like God was doing anything, even when it didn't seem like God was with them, God was actually still working in their midst. And so sometimes in our lives, God allows us to endure deep suffering so that he can bring about deep change in our hearts. God allows us to endure deep suffering so that he can produce deep change in our hearts. And that's exactly what he's doing right here. That's exactly what God is doing in the people of Israel. For 20 years, the people of Israel had the Ark of the Covenant, the representation of the presence of God in their midst. But God's deliverance was nowhere to be found. They were still under oppression. God had not delivered them. There was no word, no response from God. And it was for this purpose that God would produce a heart of repentance in the people of Israel. Um, if you can bring back the, the, the passage of Scripture, right, in, ver, in verse 2, the, the Bible says right here, it says, A long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel were lamented after the Lord. The Bible says that all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. This word for lament means to physically mourn or wail. The people of Israel were so distraught by how they drifted from God and how God had seemingly abandoned them that they began to weep and to mourn. And this was precisely the heart that God was trying to work in them. That this, is, this was actually the end goal right here. That this 20 years was, resulted in this lamenting after, this, lamenting after the Lord. This being so moved over their sins that they, it caused them to be distraught emotionally. That this was the heart that God was trying to produce in the people of Israel. And you guys, may, you guys may think this is crazy, like, really? Like, you guys were wailing and crying and mourning over your sin? Like, who on earth does that? And, I, and I'll tell you guys, I've actually seen this before. I've seen grown men with full beards and big muscles and tattoos all over themselves where they come to an altar of repentance and they weep and they cry, right? That God actually still does this today. And this is the place that, that God had brought the people of Israel. He brought them to this place of mourning, of weeping, of lamenting over their sin, Right? And so, uh, and so Samuel, as their spiritual leader, provides direction for the people of Israel. It's very obvious that the people of Israel are genuine in their repentance, but they need a spiritual leader in order for them to take their next steps. Right? Sometimes we have all the best intentions. Sometimes we have, sometimes, um, we have the right heart, but what we need is a bit of direction. What we need is the word of God to set us straight. What we need is a man of God to tell us what God is saying in his word to be able to put us on the right path. And so that's what Samuel does in this passage right here. Samuel goes and he directs the people. He provides direction, right? And it, it's very obvious that they need it. So it's one thing to have our emotional response, but we also need direction. The Bible says that, that Esau, right, that though he sought his birthright with tears, found no room in his heart, 
for repentance or no opportunity in his heart for repentance. It is possible to to have an emotional response but not really be repentant. And so Samuel is very, very clear. He says, I want you guys to take this heart that you have, this heart where you're lamenting over your sin, and I want you guys to direct it in the right direction, right? And um, And so Samuel gives direction to the people, and he gives us interesting conditional statement. He tells them if they're genuine in their desire to serve God, he says that they need to first put away all of their foreign gods. He says if they're genuine in their heart to serve God, that they need to get rid of all of these idols, all of these distractions, these things that would take the place of God in their lives. He says you need to go and get rid of all of those things. It wasn't enough for the people to have an emotional response and, or to simply say with words that they would serve God, but Samuel required action out of the people. Faith always produces action. Faith always produces action, right? Faith, the, James tells us that faith without works is dead. And so as, um, as the people of Israel are adopting this new heart of faith, Samuel commends them, he, he, he encourages them to take action on this newfound resolve that they have to serve the Lord. And so Samuel says if they're serious about returning to the Lord, that they have to put away their gods and they have to serve God wholeheartedly. And once that happened, God would deliver them. That first they had to put away their gods and serve God wholeheartedly. Let me tell you something today, church. That God is a God that's deserving of your full worship. That this God that we serve isn't a second place kind of God. There are some things in your life that don't deserve your full attention. There are some things in your life that deserve second place, right? There are some things that, there are some things that don't deserve your full worship, but this God deserves your full worship. This God deserves your full attention. And so Samuel is saying, put God in his appropriate spot. Stop taking God off of the throne of your heart because that's where he belongs. And so he says, reseat God on the throne of your heart, serve him wholeheartedly, and put away these other gods, right? And so the people of Israel, they obey Samuel. They pray with Samuel and they respond to God in true repentance and even go so far as to fast. They even go so far as to deprive themselves of the, of, of the food that's necessary for them to survive. And this is, a, this is a declaration of saying, God, you're more important than the very like sustenance that I need to survive. Fasting is a thing that people still do today in the church, and the people of Israel were so moved in their repentance towards God that they, put, that they fasted, that they gave, up this, they gave up things that were deemed necessary in order to pursue God, right? And so in their fast, what they're essentially saying is that, God, you're more important to me than the very food I need to survive. That's how serious they are in their, they are in their commitment to God. And so the question is, we see, that, we see that the people of Israel respond in genuine repentance, that the people respond in the way that Samuel asked them to, but Samuel gave a promise of deliverance, right? So how does God deliver the people? Well, let's go ahead and go on to the, to the next part of the passage, right? And so, um, so why does it seem like God's timing never coincides with our art? Sorry, why does it seem like God's timing never coincides with ours? Well, firstly, it's because he's waiting for us to turn on him. And then secondly, it's because he's, an, because he's intentional with, with his deliverance. Because he is intentional with his deliverance. That God has a very specific plan for your life. And it is not your plan. 
That God has a very specific, uh, uh, that God has ordained specific steps that you would walk in, and it is his plan. He's the one in charge, right? And so God has a very, God has a very intentional deliverance that he has prepared for the people of Israel. And so let's go ahead and, and see this in the passage here. So if we could continue on in 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to read verses 7 through 17. Right? And it says, Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord of Israel, and the Lord answered him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and went as, and, sorry, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. So this is the deliverance that the people are, have been waiting on. This is the thing that the people have, have been praying about. For 20 years they've waited on this deliverance, and God finally delivers, right? And so uh, the Philistines threw them into a confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the, men of, and the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as Beth Car. And then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and, and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their, and, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. And there was peace between, the Israel, between Israel and the Amorites, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all those places, and then he returned to Ramah, for his home was there, and he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. Amen. God delivers the people of Israel. Not only does God deliver them, but he provides total deliverance for them. Not, not only does he free them from the grip of the Philistines, but he sends the Philistines running. And I want you guys to notice the timing of this. Right? At the very moment when the people of Israel repent and commit their lives to God, the Philistine army chooses to attack. Right? At the very moment that they, that they repent. Right? Like, doesn't that seem like our lives? Right? Doesn't it feel like that way sometimes? When, when life, when we decide to give our life to Jesus and say, you know, God, I'm committed to, like, following you. I'm going to be serious about my faith. Isn't that the time when temptation is the strongest? Isn't that the time when we encounter the most trials? Isn't that the time when, when things seem to be going wrong in our lives? Right? Like, like when I decided to, to give my life to Christ and, and then all of a sudden all my friends left me and, and, then, um, and then my mom got sick and, and all of these things started happening and people started coming out of the woodworks and inviting me to things that I used to do. Right? Like, God, like, why are you giving me all of these temptations? Why are you giving me all of these struggles? It seems sometimes like just, it seems sometimes that just when we give ourselves to the Lord, that things begin to go sideways, right? And so this is where the people of Israel find themselves. And it actually kind of makes a lot of sense. In ancient times, it was not uncommon for the people to come together and to pray to their gods before wartime, 
right? So like the, the it, it's, 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 it seems like pretty, pretty reasonable that the people, that the, that the Philistines would look at the people of Israel coming together for prayer and they would see it as a threat to themselves. They would see it as them coming together, banding and seeking the blessing of their God in order to fight in combat. And so the Bible tells us that the Philistines amassed an army and that when the people of Israel saw it, they were afraid. The people of Israel were shaking in their boots, and you could imagine why. For 20 years, the people of Israel lived under the subjugation of the Philistines. And after decades of oppression, after decades of, 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 uh, of the, the psychological just me beneath you, me, I, I'm less than you, you're stronger than me. And so as they're looking at this foe that they already in their mind think is bigger and better and stronger than them, you got to imagine that there's a lot of fear in them, right? After decades of, of, of oppression, after this, after this long time of being subjugated, right, and they're looking at this Philistine army and all of a sudden God just comes through. God saves them. God completely delivers the people of Israel. And guys, I got to tell you that there's been times like that in my life. There's been times where God has come through, where God, where I was looking at something and I'd say, God, how are you going to do that? And God ends up coming through. Amen. And so God does that for his people. And so, um, and, and so, um, and so the people of Israel are delivered from the, from the Philistines. And it goes to show that God was always in control. God was always in control. He was waiting for the correct time so that his people would be in the right place spiritually and that he would be glorified. He was waiting. He was withholding deliverance. It was not like God was, was unable to deliver the people of Israel. He was withholding it for a time until the people of Israel got their heart right. And so you might ask, like, like Jacob, like, is that all it takes? Like, do, do I just need to worship God and, and, and repent and then all of a sudden everything's going to be fine in my life? That God is going to deliver me from everything and no more problems are going to happen and everything's going to be great every single day? Well, actually, yes and no, right? In one sense, that, that is true right? In one sense that we have ultimate victory in Christ, that when we became a believer in Jesus, that you became victorious over death, that, you, that, that sin no longer had power over you. That's why the Bible says, oh death, or, or, or oh grave, where is your power? Death, where is your sting, right? That when you became a believer in Christ, that there was nothing in this world that was able to oppose you or to overcome you. So the Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, right? And so in one sense, we have ultimate victory that God has planned for his church. There will be a day that we will stand victorious over every enemy. We will stand justified in front of every sin, and not even the grave would be able to hold us back, because just like the sacrifice that Samuel had sacrificed before the armies of Philistia, that Jesus was an even greater sacrifice, and Jesus cleansed us from our sins and caused us to stand right before God on the day of judgment. And so you can be sure in this deliverance. The Bible says that he who calls on the, nor on the name of the Lord will be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. That you will be saved. That there is ultimate deliverance for the Christian. And so yes, in, in, one, sense, um, in one sense, we do have this ultimate deliverance. And so when we come to faith in Christ, we can be sure that he's going to save us. But on the other hand, God still puts problems and struggles in our lives. 
As a matter of fact, God is very purposeful in every struggle and sorrow and suffering that he causes us to walk through here on earth. Being a follower of Christ doesn't make us exempt from problems and struggles. As a matter of fact, Christ assures us that we'll have problems. But he also, he also tells us that these light momentary afflictions are working for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That God is working in every struggle. That if you're a believer, you could be confident in this. That all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. It is in our suffering that God chooses to perfect us. He draws us near by putting us in situations that cause us to draw close to him. And I want to ask you guys today, are you in the middle of a season of struggle? Right now, are you in the middle of a time where it's hard to trust God? Are you in the middle of a, of a, of a place where, where it seems that your, your faith is on the rocks? Uh, church, don't believe for one second that this season is purposeless. Don't believe for one second that, 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 your, that your struggle, that your suffering, that it has no meaning to it. But God has purpose in every moment. And that's why Samuel is able to make this profound, profound statement in verse 12. And I want you to bring up that passage again. It says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. And I want you guys to, to, cue, to cue in on that phrase right there. Till now the Lord has helped us. I want you guys to think about how crazy this statement is. Like, really? Till now the Lord has helped us? Like, really, Samuel? How could you say that with a straight face? I mean, the last 20 years have been nothing but losses for us. The 20, last 20 years have, 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 like, you really call that the help of the, uh, the help of the Lord? Like, really, like, where was the Lord when the, when the ark was taken? Where was the help of the Lord when the, when the armies were defeated? When the, where the help, where was the help of the Lord when the people were slaughtered? Like, really? Really, Samuel? Is this what you call the help of the Lord? Samuel understood that in every defeat and every loss that God's hand was in it all and that he was working his purpose in it. God's plan doesn't always make sense, but we can be confident that in every moment, God is working. In every moment, God is doing something, which brings us to our big idea. Even when things don't make sense, we trust in the purpose of a purposeful God. Even when things don't make sense, we trust in the purpose of a purposeful God. Some things in life uh, just don't, like, don't seem like they can possibly be the will of God. Yet everything works together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Think back at all the struggles in your life. Think back to that, maybe that person that you thought was going to be the one and, and they broke your heart and they left you and you said, God, what was the point of that? Think back to the time where you were working a job and you thought you were on a, on a, on a trajectory of success and your boss pulls you in for a meeting and says, hey, we need to make some cuts and you're one of them. What was the, what was the meaning in that one? What about that loved one that died unexpectedly? And, and, and left you with this gaping hole in your chest. Really? Did God ordain that? 
Does God have purpose in even those moments? My answer to you today is yes. I don't know every purpose. I don't know what God has for every situation. But I can tell you that just like the 20 years of silence, just like the people of Israel enduring the subjugation of the, of the, Philist, of the Philistines for 20 years, that even in that, there was purpose and that there is purpose in your life. That God is working something for you. Church, if we can go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, um, God, we, we read this, this story today. God, and, and man, I am, I am convicted. I'm convicted at the, at the heart of Samuel. A person who could endure so much. A person who could, who in every, uh, he would have been completely justified in saying, you know, God, your hand wasn't at work here. God, I, I don't see, like, God, you're, you, were, you were nowhere to be seen. He could have made that statement, but yet he says, till now, the Lord has helped us. God, in that moment where, where things were tough and were difficult, and I, and, I, and, I couldn't, and I couldn't see the way out, Lord, you were there. In that moment where, where things were, were, weren't going my way, and, and, and I was so frustrated, and things, weren't, and things weren't happening, God, you were there, and you were working something in me. God, we may not have vision to see what you're doing, but we know that you're working. We know that we have a God who is purposefully working in every situation, and so we submit ourselves to that purpose. Lord, I pray for that person here today who's never trusted you, who's never been to that place of, God, I'm submitting myself under you. And for them right now, I'd imagine that's pretty scary. I'd imagine that's a pretty frightening thought to submit themselves to this God that they don't know. God, but I pray that they would, uh, that they would just like the Israelites, just like Samuel, that they would take on this heart of, of God. You're in control. We're going to trust in you. Lord, I pray for the seasoned believer here who's, who's known you. God, but they need, they're in desperate need of, of refreshing. They're in desperate need of encouragement. They're, they're struggling. God, their faith is on the rocks. God, I pray that they would take courage in this message today. That, God, you're working even when we don't see it. God, you're working even in the moments, God, where we can't see your hand. God, and especially in those moments, you're drawing us near to you. And ultimately, you're setting us up for your deliverance. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Jacob. Our, our middle schoolers are lucky to have such talented and passionate uh, pastor leading their ministry, and we're lucky to have them today. Thanks, Jacob. While you're clapping, just by way of celebrating what the Lord's doing, I want to let you know we've had three people accept Christ this month so far. So praise the Lord. Uh, um, and I want to thank you for praying for your neighbors and friends and inviting them this past Easter. And then God uses things like that. So keep doing it. Um, you know, if you're here today and you, and you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the answer to this question of that you're sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, I want to um, 
share a verse with you. First John 5, 11 through 13 says this. It says, for this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. And if you're here today and you don't know that you have eternal life, let me just say this. If I ask you that question and you go, well, I'm a good person, or I go to church, or I do this, or I do that, if your response starts with I, you're missing it. But if your response starts with, uh, yes, I know I'm going to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for the penalty for my sin, that's the answer to that question. Then you're going, yeah, amen. Indeed. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you can know him today before you leave. Um, simply by accepting his sacrifice on the cross for your sins. He wants to forgive you. It's a free gift to you, but you need to receive it. Turn away from the world, turn towards God, start, begin following him. If you're ready to do that, if God's drawing you, uh, we want to be here for you. Um, it's just a matter of saying yes to Jesus in your heart and begin the path towards him. And we have people at the welcome counter in the lobby on the left-hand side who want to talk to you about that decision. If you're making it, if God's doing something in your heart, let us know. If you're online and the same thing, go to campcc.net and click on next steps. Fill out that little form and one of our pastors will get back to you. All right, we're going to receive the offering. If you want to, if you've never given to Camp CC and you're considering supporting the Lord's work here, you can do that by going to campcc.net, clicking give at the top of the page, or you can text the amount you'd like to donate to 84321, um, or there's an offering box in the lobby for uh, cash and checks. Uh, let me pray. Lord, thank you for the power of a changed life and for the people who've been impacted through your ministry here. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you multiply that and that we can reach and make a difference, not just in Camarillo, but throughout the world. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, check out this video. Hey everybody, I'm Allie Smith, the Women's Ministry Director here at KMCC. I'm so glad you're here with us today. If you're a first, second, or third time guest, we have some great gifts for you at the welcome counter just to thank you for checking us out. There's Starbucks gift cards, fancy little mugs, all-you-can-eat dessert with our staff and elders. Mark your connection card if this is your first, second, or third time with us so we can spoil you. Or if you're watching online, you can go to kmcc.net slash next steps. There are a lot of great things coming up here at KMCC. Who are you going to be inviting? Saturday, April 29th, Women's Luncheon, 11 a.m. We will be hearing from women in the mission field, both near and far, as they share their journey and experiences. These tickets are $10 per person. You can sign up online or on the patio. For more info, contact me, Allison, at kmcc.net. Sunday, May 14th, Baby and Child Dedications. What a great way to celebrate Mother's Day with us. If you as a parent would like to publicly make a commitment to raise your child to follow Jesus, this is the opportunity. Let us pray over you and your family. To sign up or if you have any questions, contact Elaine at camcc.net. This will be a powerful morning. Friday, May 26th to Monday, May 29th. Family camp. Don't miss this weekend of games, hiking, fishing, swimming, and s'mores. Some more what? Well, some more fun, of course. There's an all-church potluck dinner Saturday night with our worship gathering under the stars at Lake Kachuma. Register now at camcc.net slash camping. June 18th to 23rd, Friathon High School Summer Camp. Outgoing 8th graders all the way to seniors, enjoy the best week of your life at the beautiful Lake Tuluk with wakeboarding, tubing, a giant inflatable water slide and trampoline. 
you will build lifelong memories. For more info, contact Jacob at camcc.net. Registration kicks off April 12th at camcc.net slash briathon. Stay in the loop of what's going on here at CamCC. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, you can always go to camcc.net. My name is Angela Luz, and I'm a worship leader here. I'm so glad that you guys joined us this morning. Thank you to Pastor uh, Jacob this morning for that message. It was such a great reminder for me and an encouragement to just reflect back on the times when I felt like, what is God doing? Where are you, God? But every single time God came through, he was the way maker. And uh, I can look back now and remember how uh, God paved that path. Some of those things, um, I've seen that fulfillment of today, what that purpose was. Some I will probably see in heaven one day. Um, But just great reminder to look back, reflect, and cling on to that faithfulness of God. If you are new with us, we just encourage you to go on out to that welcome counter outside. We've got those gifts for you that Ali talked about in the video online. Go to camcc.net and click next steps. Um, And we'll get those gifts to you. We would love to connect with you. Also, if you um, listen to Pastor Kenny and just um, you want to make that change in your life today, you want to accept Jesus into your heart, we just encourage you also to go out to the welcome counter or grab a pastor or someone here on staff. Um, We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to um, just walk you through that journey. Um, Join us out on the patio. We've got donuts. We've got coffee. Let's go have a good time and have a great Sunday.